And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 118 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I am here with Andy Baggerly. 118, that is the number of runs scored by Willie Mays in 1965. It's also the number of runs scored by Mel Ott in 1942. It's also the number of runs Bobby Bonds scored in 1972 and the number of runs George Van Haltren scored in 1899. Andy, thoughts on George Van Haltren? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wow. Uh, Well, it must have been very difficult uh, uh, to to score 118 runs when the rules of baseball said that you could uh, essentially maim the runners. He's going around the bases during those times, I believe. Um, But uh, yeah, boy, when's the last time a giant scored 118 runs? It's probably been uh, quite some time. I don't know about more than 118. I just know that, you know, I just plug it into baseball reference for this bit at the beginning of the podcast. The last time someone scored exactly 118 was Bobby Bonds in 1972. And everyone just couldn't stop thinking about his strikeouts. Yeah, and now they don't care. Now, right. now that that's that's a good week for for Mark Reynolds or uh, you know uh, <laughs> some, some of the some of the guys we've had in, in recent years. Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo. Yep, Joey Gallo. But hey, you know if if the shift uh, is eliminated and you can't put an outfielder out there, and Joey Gallo can actually maybe he'll he'll try for those little flared singles. Nah, something tells me he won't. You know, I've watched Joey Gallo play, but it just took me seeing him against the Giants this spring training to realize what a monster he was. Like, what a Sasquatch tall man Joey Gallo is. Like, I knew, but I didn't know. Yeah, no, he, he's, he's, I mean, he's a marvel. He really is. It's almost like, hey, let's take Adam Dunn and let's make him bigger and faster and stronger. <laughs> and and I think that was actually a, a TV series in the 1970s. But um, yeah, no, Joey Gallo is is someone you pay, you pay to watch. I mean, he's, he's really, you don't turn away when he's at the plate. All right, but this is not Rangers chatter. You are not Levi Weaver. You are Andy Baggerly, and you have thoughts on the Giants. Uh, So we're going to talk roster stuff. Who's in, who's out. I think maybe the best way might be to do sort of like a lightning round at the beginning. I'm just going to say a name, and you tell me if you think he's got a shot. And I'm going to start with Scott Kazmir. Oh, see, I thought you were going to set it up so that you would say a name, and if that name was safely on the roster then I would say a name and we'd agree it was safely on the roster. And the first time we get to a bubble where one of us disagrees, that person's out. Like Is that a, more fun? It was almost like, yeah, I, I don't know, but let, let's, uh, let, let's do it your way. Let's do it okay. your way. Um, <laughs> Scott Casimir, you know what? I, I don't know if you watched much of the, the exhibition against the Dodgers on Monday. I did. But he, he looked 
not very good in the first inning. Everything was up, but you wonder if he was just battling a lot of nerves and jitters. I mean, how how much amped he's got to be uh, to try to you know make this comeback after not pitching since 2016 in the major leagues. And and after that first inning, he settled in. His stuff moved well. It was down in the zone. Uh, he had an inning where I think he retired uh, Mookie Betts and. Uh, um, I forget all who else, uh, Seager maybe, um, and went a one, two, three inning through the heart of the Dodgers order. And you could kind of see it working a little bit. And, you know, the consistency hasn't been there. Uh, the stuff isn't, isn't obviously overwhelming to where he can, you know, get away with mistakes, but, you know, and, and he's, I don't think he's going to be on the roster to start this season, um, unless they have some major injuries here in the next 10 days. But, yeah, I, I think that he's showing enough to to make you believe he could be uh, a giant at some point this season. Yeah, I watched him in, like like you said, he was not sharp in the first... Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, a baseball just landed on my desk. Oh, it's Corey Seager's home run ball. Oh, that's what that sound was. <laughs> Corey Seager's home run ball just landed on my desk. Uh, that I don't know if it's oriented in the right direction or if it traveled around the world because Corey Seager got all of that ball against Scott Casimir. Still, he looked okay. Uh, and I, before Daniel Nunez got hurt, I would have said, no, nah, probably not. If they're going to, you know, figure out a way to carry the Rule 5 draft pick, you've got this guy, this guy, this guy without options. Uh, you know, it's, it's not going to work. I don't know. I think there might be a spot for him, especially with uh, Alex Wood being out. And so as of right now, it looks like you've got Gaussman, Cueto, Desclafani, uh, Webb, Sanchez, uh, some permutation of that. That's an all right-handed rotation. They might want a lefty guy to to be the opener, to be, you know, a guy that can just show up and and give a couple innings after the right-hander is, is out, after the other team set their lineup. But I don't know if it's going to be him or Caleb Berger. Like, I, they have so many options, so many options. And it really is setting up in a very interesting way, especially with Alex Wood, um, you know, likely to start on the injured list. You're right. You point out their rotation or what you would think would be their rotation uh, is all right-handed. And yet they have a billion left-handed options. I think they just signed two more lefties uh, since we started recording this podcast. Um <laughs> And it, it does give them the the option to, you know, kind of louver the blinds a little bit and all of a sudden, you know, come back with a lefty after starting a righty or, or use lefty openers. I mean, they, it, it does set them up to deploy their pitching in, in a way that I, I'm not sure I can quite envision other than to think it's got the potential to be interesting. Yeah. One thing that's caught my attention is that they, they really are using Connor Menez uh, a lot in to, to open these games, these spring training games. You know, he's gotten his innings more than, I don't know, someone like uh, uh, an Anthony Banda. You're seeing Menez at the start of the game. And does that mean anything or is it just sort of, you know, he's the guy that's that's around? Well, I mean, he's he's made three starts and he's worked a total of four and two thirds innings. So you're right. They have him starting games and not going deep into those games and I don't think that's entirely a function of pitch count. Um, opponent, opponents are hitting 188 off of him. Uh, and, you know, his stuff has looked pretty good. He's he's talked about uh, changing his pitch mix a little bit. And um, I, I think he's been pretty impressive this spring overall. Uh, and he's a guy we kind of forget about a little bit, unless we're talking about, you know, Amish barn raisings. Um, but, uh, uh, and, and by the way, uh, Littell and, um, and, and, uh, and, um, uh, Menez, if, if they ever like have a 
freak accident with like bubble gum, they, they would be entangled for life. I, I, I oh. could see their their beards never able to be to be disentangled. Um, but uh, he, he's an interesting guy. I, I think that he, there's a chance that he could be an opener or, or or fill in at different points. And he's flexible. That that's what they like. Now I'm going to the leader. I know you have the stats up, right? Uh, so the leader in innings pitched, Nick Tropiano. Uh, he's got 11 strikeouts in eight innings with a 1.13 ERA. Does he have a shot? Yeah, I think so, especially because you have a spring like that. You've got some major league time. you got some opt-outs probably. Um, and he's somebody who could get a major league job elsewhere, I think. So those are the kind of guys who are who are not on the 40-man roster who you do clear space for. In fact, I think he's got a great shot to make the team. Now, this one fascinates me because he had the the ERA last year. Um, very, very shiny ERA. And I'm talking about Harleen Garcia. Uh, 0.49 ERA last year. How do you get rid of a guy like that? Well, it was in 18 innings, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but he's out of options. Does he make the team? Is this is he like guaranteed to make the team because the Giants will lose him and they don't want to lose him for nothing? Or is the lack of options working against him? Yeah, I think there are a lot of parallels between uh, him and Trevor Gott, other than the fact that Gott did not have a, a great season last year. But I mean, you already saw that they DFA'd Gott, mostly because they knew that he was out of options and they needed more flexibility on the 40-man roster because uh, we're going to see these guys go up and down. You know, we can talk about who's going to be on the opening day roster, but we know that it's going to change a lot, especially in that bullpen. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it's I, I think it's, it's usually you protect your inventory to start the season because you know once rosters are set, it's a lot tougher for people to claim guys off waivers. Um, so I, I could I could see him making the team, but, you know, it's he's – he probably would continue to be a bit of a bubble guy unless he's, you know, too good to take off the roster. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Now, one pitcher that I thought would, was something of a lock all throughout the offseason, I just sort of wrote his name in there, but I'm not so sure anymore, is Caleb Berger. Uh, I'm not, do they want him to go back to starting, perhaps? He doesn't seem like he has the right pitch mix for, for starting, but that's what he was before, you know, last year's mutant season. He's only pitched three innings this spring. Is is he kind of ticketed for the minor leagues, or am I making too much of that? Yeah, he had a little, he was a little nicked up, I think, and they, they backed off him for a while, but you're mm-hmm. right, they talked about stretching him out to start but he's only you know pitched three innings over three appearances thus far and you know he's they've got a lot of lefties 
um, and they've got Berger, they've got Sam Selman. These guys have options, and I think that those options may mean that they, you know, become alternate site guys to start the year. And um, you know, and Anthony Banda is another guy uh, who uh, you know can be a depth piece as well, who's left-handed. Although he he did not have a very good spring before they reassigned him. So, um, but yeah, you look at who's really performed, who's really helped their cause. Um, you know, whether it's now or later, Camilo Doval. I mean, he's had a great spring. Uh, the guy, the pitcher that stands out to me is the obvious guy who just has opened up eyes is is, is Logan Webb. I mean, mm. three starts, six innings, two hits, no runs, 10 strikeouts, and one walk. That will work. Um, and 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 and, and uh, Jimmy Shurphy has 12 strikeouts in six and two-thirds innings. So, um, you know, the strikeout-to-walk ratio is always something you look at. Uh, and how they're going to deploy Webb, I don't know. I, I I imagine that he'll be in the rotation to start the year. But, um, you know, they, they've got a lot of flexibility with how the, the schedule is to start the year. So you could have a lot of guys with spikes on who, who still might be a part of the rotation and make a lot of starts. Now, let me do a more open-ended question rather than, than a specific name. Do you see a right-handed reliever getting added to the 40-man roster? And the reason I ask that is because they have guys like Jimmy Scherfe, Zach Littell, Dominic Leone, the one that, that's impressed me a heck of a lot is Silvino Bracho. Yep. Does one of these guys get in there as uh, from an NRI to a 40-man spot? I think there's a good chance of that, especially Bracho. He's a guy who's got some National League West time with the Diamondbacks. He's got 12 strikeouts, two walks, a 154 opponent's average. And, you know, granted, we're looking at numbers on a page, and I think that they are looking more at, you know, what kind of stuff you have. How is that stuff going to play? I mean, there's so much that's more predictive of performance beyond, you know, the stats on the page in four or five spring training relief appearances. So, you know, a lot of it has to do with just what their internal evaluation is of some of these guys. Because, you know, sometimes you have someone you're excited about and they show up and it's like, whoa, the stuff is just not there, you know. And sometimes that can be a health issue that's undisclosed. Sometimes it's a health issue that's undisclosed by the player themselves. But I think they're going to react to what they're seeing. And, you know, you can look at the numbers and say, well, Wandy Peralta is not having a good spring or Sam Selman is having a good spring or or whatever. But I think it's going to be their assessment of stuff that's probably going to carry the day on some of these decisions. Yeah, no, I I like Bracho's stuff. Uh, you know, he had a, a little bit of a an imperfect outing on Sunday where he allowed a run, but I I just like his stuff. I like his changeup. He's been able to get batters to swing through his high fastball, even though he's not a flamethrower. You know, he throws in the the low nineties. I think he can touch you know ninety four, ninety five. But the changeup. I think we'll play, and and we know that the Giants are, are smitten with someone with a good changeup. That's been something that we've recognized as a theme in this camp is they want guys to throw their changeups more, whether it's Johnny Cueto or or Logan Webb or or Silvino Bracho. They they like guys who can throw more off speed, especially guys who have good vertical break on their changeup and can throw that sort of. Uh, it almost acts like a split change. We know Tim Linscom threw the best one we've ever seen. Jason Schmidt had a great one. It's it's a pitch that'll play, especially uh, you know if you can get it underneath bats as, as hitters, you know as as launch angle obsessed as they are. Um, I think we can count on probably some more balls in play this year, perhaps if if the baseball plays the way they think it will. And um, 
and that could that could really benefit somebody who can work the lower portion of the strike zone that people have kind of forgotten about a little bit. All right. So on that note, hype me up about Logan Webb. I knew that he was having a good spring. I don't think I looked at his stats, though, like it, it, the cumulative stats. Everyone's sort of talking about him in camp, right? I mean, I I know uh, Kirk Asali's mentioned like, you know, it's, it's stuff that's as good as player X or player Y. Uh, should we, I mean, I don't want to get too hyped up over six innings, but uh, it's kind of a fan's right in spring, right? You know, I, I look back at last season and even the year before that, Logan Webb just had the worst support. He was, I mean, the, the games where the Giants were, were, you could literally play play yakety sacks. Those were <laughs> Webb's games. There was the one at Houston where where they where Donovan Solano made two errors. Uh, they, you know, they they missed cutoff men. There a lot of the catchers interference calls. You know, uh, things extended innings and exhausted his pitch count. And no wonder the guy didn't want to pitch to contact. I mean, really, it was an embarrassment the way the Giants played behind Logan Webb. And, you know, he's he's generally throwing to catchers that don't have a lot of experience as well. So I think Buster Posey being, you know, a part of this team is going to benefit Logan Webb maybe more than anybody else on the roster. And, you know, if the Giants, granted their defense hasn't looked very good this spring, but if they can find a way to play cleaner, behind him and, and and imbue him with a little more confidence and not just to fill up fastballs in the zone, but but to really challenge with all his pitches uh, and, and, and believe that he's good enough. I, I think that's all that's missing from this guy being, you know, uh, maybe not a guy who's going to get Cy Young votes, but a guy who's can be a quality, quality major league starter for, for a long time. And uh, um, so I, I'm really interested to see what, what this year holds for him. Now, a guaranteed contract for Aaron Sanchez, does that mean guaranteed rotation spot? Um, I think it still depends on where he is uh, physically. Uh, we still need to see him get stretched out. We still need to see how he bounces back. Uh, he is very, very confident in, in um, his self-assessment, but, uh, you know, they're they don't necessarily have to carry a fifth starter. Uh, they could carry uh, their fifth starter as a long guy instead. Um, but, you know, maybe there are permutations where starting him on the injured list, if there is an injury there, um, could allow them the flexibility to keep somebody else. And uh, so I could see that happening. But, um, you know, r- right now he's he's pretty adamant that he's healthy and he'll be ready to go. So um, I think if that's the case and they believe he's ready, then, yeah, I, I with that guaranteed deal, it's it would be hard to imagine him not being on the roster. All right. Now, this one's a little tricky because I in the offseason, I was wondering if he would be the closer. And now I'm uh, openly wondering if he's going to be on the roster. And that's Reyes Maranta. Uh, he, his velocity wasn't where maybe it, it could have been in his first appearance. He seems unconcerned about it. Uh, the Giants are saying all the right things like, yeah, you know, it, it's coming back. But he's got options and he's not a, as dominant maybe as as the Giants remember him. Is his roster spot in jeopardy? I think it absolutely is. I think uh you know, having that option uh, means that I think almost anybody who's got an option, the Giants are going to use it at some point this season, whether it's to start the year or, or later on. And, you know, Moranta's last outing, I thought was very encouraging. Uh, he really seemed to have better command. Uh, you know, they, they like the way he's moving on the mound, even though it, it'd be hard to you know look at him for more than five seconds and say that the conditioning they challenged him to do has been a, 
um, you know, a, a smashing success. Um, but you know, he, he's always pitched at, as a, at a bigger size and, and, and pitched successfully. I mean, we forget he, he holds the San Francisco all time, actually franchise record for fewest hits per nine innings for anybody who's thrown more than like 50 innings in a season. I did that a couple of years ago. So, you know, he, he's a guy who doesn't allow a lot of hits and when he's right. And the question is just how close is he to being right? And there's absolutely no reason to run him out there if they don't think that uh, he's all the way back um, or he's back to a level where he can really, um, you know, contribute at, at, a, at a high level. So, yeah, I, I think absolutely that's his spot is up in the air right now. Now, with Brandon Belt perhaps starting the season on the injured list, who is that going to benefit? Is that going to allow the Giants to, I don't know, I know they just made Steven Duggar one of the, the more recent roster cuts. Uh, so, But is it going to be an outfielder? Or they, do they have to necessarily go and get a, a first baseman replacement? Or do they feel they have one in Darren Ruff? Is Jason Vossler in, in the mix? I mean, what are the Giants going to do if Belt's not ready to start the season? I mean, it's... It's a really good question. I think given where we've seen people deployed to this point, um, you'd have to imagine it'll be Tommy Lastella uh, at first base, and then they can play um, either Wilmer Flores or, or Donovan Solano at, at second base. We still haven't seen Evan Longoria at third, but uh, you know, beyond the, the opening series at Seattle, the Giants will have a DH just seven more times all season, um, unless something radical changes. So, um, you know, but if Longoria can can show he's healthy and his, his foot allows him to move at third base, that that'll be a big sign, I think, over these next uh, ten days, because um, obviously the bat's working. He's he's hitting 474 this spring. Um, but yeah, what they do at first base, they, they they have a lot of options on their roster. And I think that uh, Ruff is one. Um, uh, even uh, Lamont Wade is a guy they've played at first base. Uh, Vossler, mm. they have to love what they're seeing from him. He's just had a fantastic spring. Um, and and I think very much could be in the mix for a roster spot, but uh, you know it kind of depends on where all the other chips fall. Now I'm looking at the FanGraphs uh, roster resource page, the depth chart they have for the Giants, uh, and they're they're sort of taking their their best guess at what the roster might be right now. Their projected bench, uh, so you have Kirk Casale, who's the backup catcher. You have Darren Ruff, Jason Vossler, Wilmer Flores, and Austin Slater. And what I'm noticing about that crew. There is not a dedicated center field backup. You know, it's going to be Dubone in center. And when he's not there, you have Yastrzemski in center, maybe Slater in center. Is that realistic? Is that sustainable? Have they seen enough good stuff from Slater in center? I don't know. You know, Slater obviously had the little uh, hamstring thing that that, uh, took him out of action for a little bit. Uh, Back in there uh, Monday, uh, he's building back up. Uh, Certainly is having some good at-bats this spring. Um, but we know it's, it's a stretch. They're going to ask some people to stretch to play center field. And, uh, you know, knowing that they want Dubone to play a couple different spots, um, knowing that they don't have a whole lot, uh, in terms of a backup shortstop other than him, those are two skill positions that, that they are just really thin at. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's got to be a concern, right? Yeah. Every time I look at the roster, I just squint and I go, well, you know, if Dubon's not playing center, then they have Yastrzemski, okay. But if you just have a nagging day-to-day injury for Brandon Crawford, everything is just higgledy-piggledy. I mean, every it, it so much has to change where you've got Dubon now, he's playing it short, the defense is a little iffy out there, and you've got Yastrzemski in center now, and, you know, he's fine out there, but he's, he's definitely not above average, I wouldn't think. And then if you have maybe two guys nursing day-to-day things, or you 
you want to get them some rest, it's going to be possible to put out some pretty hideous defenses out there, right? Yeah, I think so. And I thought your piece was really good looking at what happens if Brandon Crawford gets hurt. And, and number one, it underscores how much the Giants have taken for granted uh, just how durable he's been and how you know he's gone out there without complaint. A lot of times when he hasn't been 100%. And yeah, Joaquin Arias is probably the best backup shortstop that, that the Giants have had in a decade of Brandon Crawford. Um, but here's another one. What, what happens if Mauricio Dubon is 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 chasing after a fly ball in left center field and he collides with Alex Dickerson and Dubon spontaneously combusts into a cloud of dust because that's what would happen if you collide with <laughs> Alex Dickerson. And now, now what happens? I mean, if you don't have Mauricio Dubon healthy, um, and granted, he's a younger guy, you know, but people get hurt. Um, then what, what's the plan? Now you don't have a backup shortstop and you're kind of really, really struggling to cover center. I mean, it's, boy, that's where you might see Elliot Ramos in the big leagues, to be honest. That's a good point. I never thought about that. But yeah, he is an underrated linchpin of the entire roster. So much goes through, yeah, this guy's going to be around. He's going to be the backup to the shortstop and the starting center fielder. I mean, that that's not a normal job description. And it, it sort of, it makes it hard to understate just how important he is to the 2021 Giants. He's the quasi-starting center fielder. He's the backup shortstop. He's going to sell lemonade in between innings. He's <laughs> he's going to take out the lineup card. Um, he's going to uh, scan your 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 tick your phone as you go through the turnstile. He's going to oh, do it man. all. You know, it's one of those players that if if you don't follow the Giants every day, you have no idea how much the the Giants might be counting on him. You, you see, oh, he's projected to bat eighth. He's just sort of a guy, and I don't think he's just sort of a guy to the Giants. I mean, a he finished the season really strong last year. He His eye looked incredible. He, he was swinging at better pitches. He was making better contact. And this year in the spring, it's kind of more the same. It's it's not so much that he's hitting 500-foot blasts, although there there was a rumor of a, of a blast that big. But he's just, he's taking better at bats and he's showing off that that eye, you know, just not not taking walks necessarily, um, but he's, he's doing that. But he's just swinging at better pitches. Uh, so he's got 10 walks this spring yeah. and 24 at bats. I don't see plate appearances on here on what I'm looking at, but I mean, that's the most walks anybody's taken and he hasn't even played the most. Um, and he's also got four stolen bases. So clearly that's going to be a part of his game this year. And I think that the Giants are going to look to selectively run. We know Austin Slater stole eight bases last year and he, he missed half the season. So, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of opportunities for a guy like Dubon to, to make contributions around the periphery, uh, especially if he can, you know, uh, get on base and, and, and do that by way of, of taking ball four more often and, and, and forcing pitchers to come into his zone because we saw him get better from from week to week last year, I thought. I thought his at-bats toward the end of the year were so much better than his at-bats early in the year. And and we might just be see, seeing a, a continuation of that development trend. And that would be huge for the Giants. Yeah, and th- that brings up a, a question I've had and I keep forgetting to ask. Is this, is Gabe Kapler letting the Giants run wild? Is that a spring training thing? Is that just, a maybe it's going to end the innings quicker and we get to find out a few things? Or is it, is this going to be a part of the strategy? Because I'm looking through and, and you're right, Joey Bart has two steals. Austin Slater has a steal. You've got Donovan Solano, Joe McCarthy, Jason Vossler, like 
Dickerson, they're all sort of on the move. Is that just a spring thing? I think it's it's partly a spring thing. It's partly a let's test our boundaries. They're all a bunch of teenagers that just got the car keys. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I do think that there are going to be opportunities for them to, to try to, I think Gabe Kapler said it, he put it this way the other day, when we look back at last season, we can look at opportunities that we left on the table. It doesn't mean that we're going to fundamentally be a different team, but we want to be more aggressive at recognizing those opportunities in the moment and and acting, um, you know, acting on them and and being more more aggressive when it makes sense, not not just to run for the sake of running because it's hey let's let's do it because it's fun and exciting. But you know, I, I think they do recognize that they could have done a little bit more in that part of the game and and also I mean you know they they made quite a few base running mistakes last year too. Uh, Dubon was was kind of at the front end of that in terms of the ones I remember. Uh, he ran them out of s- several innings just out of uh, sort of over exuberance. So, you know, it's finding a way to challenge, channel that and, and and make that into uh, that aggressiveness into something that uh, becomes an asset as opposed to a liability. And, you know, I, I do think that they are going to look oppor- opportunistically to to run a little bit more this year. And, and uh, honestly, if you look at Austin Slater, he's a fantastic base runner. I mean, mm-hmm. he is a, probably the best the Giants have had in terms of a base runner. I mean, Brandon Crawford, when he was a little faster, uh, I think was was about as good as it gets. Randy Wynn, to me, stands out as one of just the most polished, <laughs> perfect base runners, guys who are aggressive, who take the extra base, who never get thrown out, who always have that internal clock that seems to be flawless, and and, and they don't take needless risks. And I I, I think that uh, uh, Slater is is just about up there with, with some of the best base runners I, I've seen in, in my time covering the Giants. Yeah, he's good. And it, it's fascinating to, to watch him kind of be let loose on the bases, A, because it it's good sign for his hamstring. Uh, but I I just had this idea that there, there's something to brew in. And I thought, well, you know, Kapler did this last year too. Uh, but I looked at the 2020 spring training stats. And did you know that Brandon Belt and Rob Brantley were tied for the, the Cactus League lead on the Giants in steals last year? Rob Brantley. Wow. That is impressive. They had one. You know, you had like, <laughs> you had 10 guys with one, exactly one steal. So Kapler wasn't doing this last year. I had, you know, I had kind of a Mandela effect going on where I thought, oh, it's just, he just lets his guys run wild because it's information and it, it's going to, you know, what's what's the cost? You know, you, there's only reward. But now I'm looking at it and you've got, he's sending guys. You know, it, it's not just Lamont Wade. It's not just uh, Basabe or Doug or the fast guys. You know, Joey Bart's got a couple. He's just saying to Joey Bart, yeah, get out there. You know, it's swipe yourself a bag. And I don't know. It's kind of sticking with me. 22 steals in 27 attempts this spring. So, that, and that's a lot. And if you want to look at what opponents have done against them, uh, 12 steals and six caught stealing. So uh, you're right. The Giants are running almost twice as much as their opponents thus far this spring. And I, I don't think that's uh, that's you know a coincidence. All right. Let's do Let's see. We've got a lightning round, I think, because we're almost out of time. So who is going to be the right-handed reliever? Pick a guy. Pick this right-handed reliever who's going to be added to the 40-man roster. Is it going to be Scherfee? Is it going to be Bracho? Do you have a, a lead? leading candidate for that spot? I would go with Tropiano probably just because he can give you the most bulk innings. Mm. That's a good one. That is a very practical answer. And I think that's probably the right answer. 
I, I do think Bracho has a shot, though. I mean, I, he's 12 strikeouts and seven and a third innings to just two walks. That's not nothing. I mean, it is spring, but strikeout-to-walk ratio is generally what, what stabilizes the fastest. And he just he looks pretty good, but I think you're right. I think you've got the innings to consider in Tropiano. He's the starter. He's, uh, he's a reliever. He's a floor wax. He's a dessert topping. He is <laughs> everything to all people. You get that reference? Yeah, I do. Yes, and and uh, and and we also have um, uh, Shun Yamaguchi, not to forget about. And oh, you know, he may be someone you plug in later, but uh, um, you know, he's another guy who is a right-hander who can give you a little bit of length. And we haven't seen a whole lot of him yet this spring, uh, but he has that split that that the Giants like and think will work. And if they like changeups, if you like a changeup, you're also going to like a good split. So um, you know, he's he's another guy who who I think we'll see at some point, uh, just maybe not to start the year. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This has been episode 118 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And we will be back next week and we'll have a, a little bit more information about who might be on that opening day 26-man roster. Thanks for listening. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.